Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And what a week it is, especially with the college football playoff talk now filling the air. National Football League playoff races are resuming, getting tighter with each and every week. And with that, I want to welcome our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports, onto the show. Victor, welcome to the show and hope everything was good for you. And I know it was in the totals tip sheet last week as well. It was really, really nice weekend for us. Uh, overall, three and one week for the totals tip sheet. Our boy Tuco somehow pulled one out of his uh, little doggy ass with uh, Minnesota, a team that had zero points at the half. Somehow they got over their team total of twenty-three points. So we're pleased with the newsletter results. Our five-star college game of the month was a winner, a patented shootout in the MAC conference, and that was Ball State Central Michigan over the total. Final score, 45-44. And uh, we even followed up with a really nice Sunday game in which uh, the outcome was nice. We were on uh, the Tampa Bay-New Orleans game as our four-star over of the week and brought home the bacon when that one. But I'll tell you this, it took a Jameis Winston pick six at the end of the game. And between you and me, this guy is easily my favorite over quarterback currently playing in the NFL. I say that because on any given play, Jameis Winston can throw a beautiful deep ball for a long touchdown, or he can throw a pick six in which the other team scores a touchdown as well. Well, Victor, you called that out, and I mentioned that in this week's Playbook Football Newsletter, uh, we had called out the fact that the Tampa Bay Bucks have now gone over, I believe it's eight straight games in a row. Yep. And a lot of that contributing factor has to be Jameis Winston, who is a coach's nightmare, to say the least. Uh, again, to reiterate, we saw a lot of that in his days at Florida State when he would uh, continually thread the needle and somehow get passes uh, thrown and completed that looked like there was just terrible throws. In the, in the National Football League, these defensive backs are a lot quicker, faster, and they anticipate a lot better than they did in college football, and it's absolutely killing him. And I don't know if an adjustment can be made. I think it's rather inherent to Jameis Winston. It's what he does, the way he plays the game. And, you know, he might not be long for a starting position in the National Football League with this an abundance of turnovers that he has going that way. Let's move it over, Victor, to the college football side of things and talk a little bit about what we learned last week. And we're learning a lot between now and with the college football playoff rankings coming out once again for the third time last week. And in the rankings, Three teams were bumped out, Kansas State, Navy, and Texas. They all said goodbye to the top 25 ranking. The new boys in the ranking are SMU, Southern Cal, and Iowa State. That's the uh, in and out of the college football rankings. But the one thing I did notice is that the top seven teams all remain intact in the same positions, as are the top 10 teams also still ranked in the top 10 was there anything, Victor, that caught your eye with this new college football playoff ranking, or was it status quo from the week before? No, you mentioned just about any, uh, everything. Of course, the team that fell the most with Auburn uh, with their loss dropping three spots, and also Cincinnati dropping two spots. Big game for them this week. But you you basically covered it in terms of the rankings. Uh, we'll say this, the teams that are ranked highly – you're going to probably see them keep their foot on the gas pedal for the rest of the regular season to stay up there with the big boys. We'll be talking about one of those teams during our college football game of the week. We'll do just that. Uh, our featured college football game of the week is a beauty this week. The biggest game on tap, obviously, in the college football week this season with Penn State taking on the Buckeyes at Ohio State. And speaking of which, we're down to just three undefeated teams in the world of college football. And just coincidentally, they happen to be the top three ranked teams in the college football playoff poll, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson. So the question then thus becomes, who will fill in that fourth spot, that 
a vital fourth spot when it comes to the college football playoffs. Right now, the Georgia Bulldogs sit there, but so much can happen uh, to be determined in the Southeast Conference playoffs. And, uh, you know, I read somewhere uh, there's a projection that uh, look out for the Utah Utes. Uh, we're playing some really, really good football right now. Obviously, they're going to have to get past Oregon. The winner of that game will end up being one of those one-loss teams. So the question then would be, would they take Alabama as a one-loss team without Tua in the playoffs? And I've seen them make decisions regarding players that have gone just the opposite way. They haven't taken a team because of a star quarterback being out. Or will Another one-loss team like Penn State, what would they do if they happen to take down the Buckeyes this week? I would vault them right up into contention as well. Who do you project, Victor? Who do you see in your crystal ball as being that number four seed with that one loss making the college football playoffs as we speak this week? You said it right off the bat. You can't say enough about how well their defense is, and that would be the Utah Utes. And this is a team that builds from the inside out. They have a fantastic offensive line. They got a killer defensive line, and I do think that they're going to beat Oregon if they make it that far to the uh, uh, Pac-12 championship game. But I think that fourth team will indeed be Utah. I would be surprised, uh, not if it were, but if it weren't, I should say. And uh, again, they're going to have to get past Oregon and. Other cars are going to have to fall their way, but it will be interesting as this thing plays out as we get closer and closer to the announcement of the final four teams. What I also learned in the college card last week, Victor, before we shifted over to the NFL side of things, is there was an abundance of college football teams that won games in inside-out phony fashion last week, 14 of them in college football last week. And we're seeing a lot more of that as we head down the stretch here uh, where some teams that are winning games that are expected to be uh, overpowering statistically are just not getting the job done out those 14 teams. It was led by Cincinnati, the Bearcats, who reside right now in the number 19 spot in the college polls. Even though they won their football game last week, they were out yarded by 160 yards against South Florida, and it ended up resulting in a two-position drop for Cincinnati in the rankings. And I think, obviously, that was picked up by uh, the members of the committee as well. Cincinnati might end up being, I think, one of the phonier one-loss teams in all of college football this year. We point out why in this week's college football newsletter, or I should say in the playbook newsletter in our college write-ups. And incidentally, guys, also in the playbook newsletter this week, the big main theme of the week was uh, the college football teams that are sitting right now with four wins with two games to play. They are in must-win territory where they got to win their final two games to become bowl eligible. There are 27 of such teams that will be playing starting this weekend in college football looking to win the first of two back-to-back games. Those are going to be outlined in my Inside the Stats article on the Playbook.com website. I post it every Thursday. You want to tune into the Playbook uh, website to get the Inside the stats article as I outline all the team's needs in the world of college football, along with all of our other takes statistically in the world of college football. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's switch it over to the NFL side of things where what I learned last week, much like the Las Vegas sports books learned last week, it was a tough week. If you were an underdog lover in the National Football League where we got goose-egged, and I know the sports book got beat up pretty bad as well. Boy, you got that. I call it Revenge of the Chalk. The First off, the three biggest public teams all were favorites, all covered the point spread. Dallas Cowboys over Detroit. New England Patriots over Philadelphia. Kansas City Chiefs over L.A. Chargers in a very difficult Monday night game in which Obviously, the Chargers went right down there to the end, and Philip Rivers threw a uh, terrible pick in the end of the game there, his fourth pick of the game. Definitely a revenge week for the Chalk players. Worst week for dogs, 4-9-1 ATS. The only dog that tied or was in question was the Arizona Cardinals. That was, in fact, the only dog that I personally bet last week. And I'll say this, 10-and-a-halfs or 11s were available in that game up until game day. So if you like the Cardinals, you bet them earlier in the week like I did, and you still cover the point spread, even though the Niners scored a freak defensive touchdown at the end of that game. Uh, let me see now. For underdogs on the season, 84, 71, and 5 ATS, still profitable. 
The best situation from our database is 18-4-2 ATS this year. That's 82%. And this is for all underdogs taking on and losing an opponent off a straight-up and ATS loss in their last game. These dogs have gone 18-4-2 ATS this year. And, in fact, there's two of them that qualify in this system this week. That would be the New York Giants plus the points against the Chicago Bears. And a hold-your-nose play on the Washington Redskins plus the points against the Detroit Lions. One other thought or take, Victor, with regards to how well the dogs have done in those two particular teams playing this week. Uh, with the Washington Redskins, they're a football team, obviously, that uh, is in total rebuild mode with uh, Dwayne Haskins trying to find his way in the National Football League. Uh, it, like you say, it is a hold-your-nose kind of a play for the Washington Redskins because they're showing little to little to no life at all, especially offensively and then defensively. To make it worse, they allowed the Jets a season-high 400 yards of offense last week. But then again, you take a look at to whom they're playing this week, the Detroit Lions. They're not much, and the Detroit Lions are favored on the road. So dogs like that in roles like you just laid out, Victor, are kind of hard to like. They're clothespin plays, what we call them. you got to put the clothespin on, make the play, and just trust the numbers as opposed to the teams. One other note thing that I noted last week, Victor, and you hit on a, you touched on it a bit, was the rapid decline, or not rapid, but uh, the eroding decline, I should say, of Philip Rivers, the L.A. Chargers quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the line I used when I wrote the NFL games up this week was, he appears to be, to me, to look like a fastball pitcher that has lost his fastball. And that is not a good thing. When you're a quarterback of age in the National Football League, and you beginning you begin forcing and doing things that were uncharacteristic of what had gotten you to the pinnacle uh, of where you are. He's right right now. He's probably on the cusp of making the National Football League Hall of Fame, and he's not going out in good style. And that loss last week that is that pick on the final drive, which you know obviously cost the Chargers a win and the dog a ticket, a cash t- ticket in the game. Uh, that aside, he has now thrown. Seven picks in his last two football games. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, that's the very un Philip Rivers like, uh, you know, for what the way he's winding out his career coming down the stretch here. He needs more than anything a bye week. And it's exactly what the, the doctor delivered for the Chargers this particular week. So I think sometimes bye weeks come in opportune times for teams and players, and it couldn't come in a better time for Philip Rivers on. Uh, on the NFL side of things this week. And one other quick thing I know is, Victor, before I hand it off back to you, as far as the National Football League playoff picture goes, don't look now, but knocking on the door in the National Football League playoffs are none other than the Oakland Raiders, who sit number seven with the playoff seating is just one position out of making the playoffs this year. And I got to tip my hat to John Gruden here because I was not a big fan of the Oakland Raiders to start the football season here this year. And truthfully, I still am not. But mm-hmm. as as Bill Parcell says, you are what your record says you are. And right now, they are the number seven seed in the National Football League as far as playoff positioning goes. And on the reverse side, in the NFC side of things, the surprising number seven seed would be the L.A. Rams, a football team that made it all the way to the Super Bowl last year before they disappeared in the championship game against the Patriots. And suddenly, they're in hot water as well. The Rams, they're going to host the red-hot Buffalo Ra- uh, Baltimore Ravens, I should say, Monday night. And that will be must-watch television with the Rams back to the wall. The Ravens on this unbelievable run that they're on. Lamar Jackson on his MVP tour run, if you will. So keep an eye on the college or make the NFL uh, games this particular weekend for teams that are just on the outside looking in at the playoffs behind Oakland would be Pittsburgh at number eight, Tennessee nine, and the Cleveland Browns suddenly alive at number 10 on the NFC side of things behind the Rams at number seven would be Philadelphia, number eight, Carolina, at number nine and the Chicago bears, number 10. Anything else that you noticed in the football card last week, Victor, before we get into our rant of the week, this particular week? Yes. My, uh, first off, my, quick response to what you were talking about is the Oakland Raiders. And I'm, uh, again, I'm like you, I'm, I'm shocked with their record six and four in the season, but I'm not convinced yet either. Just like you. And I say that because they're the only winning team in the NFL with a negative point differential on the season. They're minus 25 overall in their point differential. Obviously 
that's more indicative of a team that's five and five, maybe even four and six. But that's why I'm still not convinced with the Raiders. And in fact, I like the Jets this week at home if they're getting more than a field goal against Oakland, who's going to be, of course, traveling across the country once again, like they did earlier in the season. One more thing, Mark, what we're seeing in the NFL this season is astounding. We're seeing a rushing renaissance. This is supposed to be the area, the era, excuse me, in which footballs are flying via the pass up and down the field, 50, 60, 70 point games. But we're seeing a rushing renaissance in the NFL. Uh, Seven teams in the league are averaging more than 130 rushing yards. And it doesn't matter what uh, stat you use, total rushing yards or rushing attempts. The top eight teams in rushing for the season are a combined 58 and 23 straight up on the air. That's a 72% winning percentage. That means the average team is a 7 and 3 overall record. You got Baltimore, San Francisco, Minnesota, Indianapolis, Houston, Seattle, Dallas, and Buffalo, your top eight rushing teams. We're seeing a rushing renaissance. Uh, this used to be the NFL of the 70s, 80s, even 90s. But the fact that uh, here in the year of 2019 that we're seeing this is astounding. You know, it kind of goes hand in hand, Victor, with uh, uh, a quote that I remember Bill Belichick making and uh, asking about the success, uh, his success in the National Football League and what he could attribute it to the most. And he said, speaking from a fundamental standpoint, there are two factors that will decide whether you win or whether you lose football games. One is more running attempts per football game than your opponent, and two, completing passes. And if you think about it, that's exactly what football is all about. If you can control yep. the run, you keep your uh, you keep your defense rested, you keep the other team's defense on the field. And it's less scoring opportunities for that uh, for your opponent, and it also gives your quarterback a better chance for a better balanced attack, where he can also then make his passing game that much more effective. So, as you mentioned, this running this running renaissance, rushing renaissance that's occurring in the National Football League, is not just a fluke. It's also a proven method for winning games when it comes to handicapping in the National Football League, as our good friend Steve Crabb, the Texas Tornado, well is aware of. With that, Victor, let's switch it over now to our weekly rant of the week. And we're not going to be so rant of this particular week. But with that, Jeff, if you would, hand it off to Victor with our rant of the week. And now, this week's rant from Mark and Victor. You know, Victor, when driving in before the podcast this morning, I was wondering about our rant. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, do we necessarily have to be negative in our rants when we talk about the rant, the thing that uh, really kind of uh, jars us a little bit in that sense? And no, we could be positive, too. We could rant about positive things or things that are going well or at least things that we would like to see going well. And, you know, while the football season is in its formation right now, college football heading toward the college football playoffs, the National Football League entering soon into the fourth quarter. The thought I mentioned to you when we talked this morning was so much about a little bit more about the replies that we got from last week's rant, which was pretty positive. And if I would, Victor, I'll hand it off to you if you would lay the groundwork for our rant of the week this week. You know, uh, late last week during our show, uh, I went off about what I liked in college football in regards to the chrome helmets. They make or break uniforms. And we got numerous responses, uh, emails, some voicemails, uh, asking some more questions. Uh, I think people are a little bit more fascinated by uh, color palettes and uniforms and chrome helmets than the actual games themselves sometimes. So I got a little bit of positive. I got a little bit of negative. I hope I'm answering some questions and also throwing out some opinions as well. Uh, again, we talked about the chrome helmets last week. Another innovation that we're seeing is some teams are actually chroming their face masks, and that's a pretty cool <laughs> look. Yes. I, th I think the newest, coolest change in college football is what they call three-dimensional bumpers. It's a section of the back of the helmet that has the name of the school in extreme raised letters, so it looks like a really, really cool 3D. And my examples are Georgia State and the Raging Cajuns of L.A. Lafayette in the Sun Belt Conference. Now, on that side, I got to throw out uniform colors out there. And as a big of a Cleveland Browns fan as I am, they will never have cool uniforms unless they make a dramatic change in their color palette. Uh, I'll say the same thing for gray uniforms. 
Gray, it's bland. Gray, it's boring. Gray is in the running with Brown for worse colors to build a jersey around. In college football, some of the examples of the all-gray uniforms that I do not like, Air Force, Buffalo, Vanderbilt, do not use gray or brown as your primary color in a uniform. It's just plain ugly. Another thing, Mark, you know, the Memphis Tigers, they took a page out of the Cincinnati Bengals playbook by putting some uh, tiger stripes on their uniforms and their uniform pants. And, uh, hey, spoiler alert, they they failed just as miserably. (laughs) My Lord, these pants look like uh, Zubaz ripoffs that I was wearing back in the 1980s. Uh, finally, I had a question that was asked to me, who do you consider to be the sharpest looking uniforms and the worst looking uniforms? And in college football, I'll easily throw out my worst one, Mark. And it's got to be the Wyoming Cowboys. I mean, did the higher ups sit down and <laughs> brainstorm the ugliest uniforms possible and then up the ugly meter by 10? I don't know. Dark brown jerseys, mustard yellow pants, that weird looking webbing on the shoulder pads. <laughs> That's the reason brown jerseys across every level of sports should be banned. And the icing is the hard-to-read, you know, old Western font for the letters and the numbers. Wyoming Cowboys, you get the award for worst-looking college football uniform. But on the other side, we got to throw out best-looking uniforms. Now, I always have a 1 and a 1A. My 1A is the team that started it all, the Oregon Ducks, back in 2012. It seems like every week they break out with a new, cool uniform. But my favorite uniform is the TCU Horned Frogs. First off, I'm a big purple guy. Purple's my lucky color. Uh, Purple is the color of royalty, last name King. I get it. Purple's a lucky color. But a few days after the 2018 season ended, TCU unveiled brand new uniforms that were inspired by the Ladanian Tomlinson era. And what they did was they enlarged that diamond-shaped design around the collar, and it more accurately depicts an actual horned lizard. The uniform is complete with a two-tone face mask. It's meant to elongate the helmet stripe. They have a version of a dark, shiny chrome helmet as well. So my award for my favorite-looking uniform in college football goes to the TCU Horned Frogs. And there you have my little rant, some positive, some negative about Colors, uniforms, uh, helmets, you got it. I'll just throw a little bit of uh, uh, whipped cream on top of the pie as far as this is concerned, Victor, here. When you talk about uniforms and the looks of teams, hands down, my favorite uniform look is that of the what used to be the San Diego Chargers in the days of the uh, Lance Allworth and that particular football team. Those uniforms, are, I think, are just the coolest-looking colors. And every time that the uh, Chargers do wear those throwback uniforms to those days, it receives nothing but big thumbs up from everybody that talks about that. One of the ugliest NFL football uniforms today is, as you mentioned, the Cleveland Browns wearing all brown uniforms. Uh, they look like they're prison convicts who escaped from prison from a chain gang, and they all met on a football field and decided we're going to play a pickup game. They need to do something about that through the Cleveland Browns uh, as well. And going back also to the coolest you mentioned about uh, the shiny helmets, it reminded me from my days going way back when as a kid. I'm going to date myself here. But when I first got my driver's license, I was my dad was an auto mechanic, and I used to work at the shop with him, and I would test run the cars that he did and all that. So I was kind of a cool cat, man. I used to drive all these neat cars <laughs> when I was 16 years old and uh, you know, would always run off with, uh, with fantasy thoughts about automobiles. But nonetheless, uh, one of the things I did when I got my first car was uh, with headlights back then. There wasn't a law, but you could take the headlights of your car, and you could color change the, the headlights so you give it a nice little blue or green or uh, a red tint to the look and it just it was like the the coolest in advance star wars look of an automobile you could have up until they did change the law so that's a little bit of a throwback in history for me about as far as tinting of helmets and uniforms go but uh in closing get those uniforms off cleveland browns and get back to something a little bit more jim brown like if you will That's going to end our final rant for this particular show, and I'm going to ask everybody to stay tuned because when we come back, Victor and I, we're going to get into our featured college football game of the week when the Ohio State Buckeyes take on Penn State in the college football game of the week when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. (laughs) 
It's time to experience the all-new Playbook Experts VIP Experience. Only the Playbook Experts VIP Experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP member. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And what a college football game of the week we've got on tap this Saturday when the Ohio State Buckeyes play host to Penn State at the Horseshoe in Columbus. Victor, how do you see the Nittany Lions and the Buckeyes shaking out this Saturday? Should be a fun game. The only thing, you know, I don't like about it is uh, why the 12 noon start again? Here we go again. You know, we had a 3.30 time slot available. We had a Saturday night time slot available. It's obviously the game of the week. So why a 12 o'clock start? I don't know. Uh, what Buckeyes 18-point favorites? It opened at 55, 57 and a half earlier this morning. And, in fact, I'm even seeing a couple of 58s right now. I'm not surprised. Uh, definitely buy that line move. We've got a couple of middle-of-the-road over-under teams here. Ohio State 5-4-1 and one over under. Penn State 5-5 five and five over under. What's ironic is the average Buckeye game has gone over by plus 2.9 points. And the average Penn State game has gone under by minus 2.9 points. The series, it's kind of a uh, pick-your-poison kind of thing. Three out of the last four meetings between these two teams have gone under the total with an average of 55.7 points per game. But with that said... The last three meetings in Columbus have averaged 67.3 points per game. I think the over is uh, worthy of a small play. It looks like the early action is kind of in agreement with us. With that said, we'll mention the Ohio State is now 3-1 and one to the over in their last four games. Average margin plus 9 with a high over-under line of 56 or more points this season. The Buckeyes have gone 4-1-1 one, and one this year. When I was breaking down Penn State's numbers, what I noticed was they're a fantastic under team when they're taking on a bad Big Ten offense. They went 0-4 this season in those type of games. However, against the three good offenses they faced this year, Michigan, Indiana, and Minnesota, Penn State has gone a perfect 3-0 and to the over. I also know that uh, from the last 20 games when playing winning opponents, Penn State is on a 70% over percentage. That's 14 overs, only six unders. And they're showing a tendency as of late toward giving up multiple big pass plays on defense in the last few weeks. That was very evident in the loss to Minnesota. Of course, we got Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford. He's got a little chip on his shoulder these days. After throwing those three interceptions in that loss to Minnesota, he's still having an excellent season, number 10 in the country in QBR. Of course, his counterpart, Justin Fields, number two in the country in college QBR, right behind our man uh, Tua from Alabama. For that reason, I'm leaning over, based on the point spread and the over-under line, the the predicted final score is Ohio State 37.5, Penn State 19.5, I see the game a little bit more like a 43-20 to 20 final score, maybe a 44-21 to 21 final score. Either way, Mark, I still think there's a little bit of value on what should be a high-scoring game, and I will be making a small wager on the over. And before I pass it to you from the database, uh, here's what I gathered. There's only been seven instances of a top-10 team being installed as a big underdog of 18 or more points, like Penn State is in this game. Those teams, 0-7 straight up. Two and five ATS. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm anxious to see which side you're on. As again, we will be going over the total for a small wager. Well, I'm with you, Victor, here. I look at this football game here, and I'm a little bit perplexed at the 12 noon Eastern start in the football contest here. Now, I realize that the games are slat- slotted depending upon the network that's broadcasting them. Uh, this happens to be a Fox TV game, so it's up to the Fox TV uh, bigwigs to decide when they want to air this game. 
The only main other game that's going to be broadcast supposedly on national television will be uh, ABC's featured game, which is Oregon against Arizona State uh, for the 7.30 Eastern game. And it just flat out doesn't make sense to me that they would let them have that primetime game and Fox would opt instead to put this game at 12 noon Eastern, of which if you lived in Vegas, you're watching this game at 9 o'clock in the morning. I think it's uh, doing themselves a disservice to do that, but nonetheless, it's out of our control, and we'll have to tune in our games or set our DVRs to pick up this game at 12 noon Eastern. This series has been awfully close the last three football games. They've been decided by a grand total of just five points, margins of one, one, and three points the last three years. So it's been a highly competitive series of late. Taking a look at Penn State as they come into the game, they are – uh, if you take a look, seven and one, but only four and four against the spread. I, mean, I shouldn't say against the spread. I should say in the stats. They've really struggled thus far this football season here. Penn State has. They've been uh, they, they've been outgained in as many games as they have won the yards in. Let me go back on that number here. They're nine and one, and I should say in those ten games, they're five and five in the stats. So Penn State has been outyarded five times this football season here, which is really not indicative of a top ten ranked football team. I think that's their Achilles heel. They don't dominate you statistically in football games. They're only two and eight to the spread the last ten times they dressed up as road dogs of ten or more points here. They've struggled on the road taking double digits has Penn State. Take a look at James Franklin here. He's really, really struggled himself. In fact, when they lose a game on the road, or when they take out on the road, I should say, and they take on an opponent that's undefeated, they're just 3-16-1 to the spread when they don't beat that undefeated team. So they struggled away from home against undefeated teams in games they can't handle straight up on the scoreboard. Uh, you also take a look. They are what I would call two games removed from the bubble burst situation. They had their bubble burst Two games ago, obviously, when they lost at Minnesota, they came back and struggled against Indiana last week, won the game by seven points, and were out-yarded by almost 100 yards. These teams that are this late in the season and have a bubble burst loss play their next game, oftentimes have a two-game back letdown as well. They just don't get themselves back up off the mat. That's especially true if they didn't win and cover after the bubble burst. So that could be a lingering effect for Penn State, if you will, in this football game. The Buckeyes come in the number one ranked team overall in scoring offense, averaging 51.5 points a game, number one overall in total team defense, number two in red zone defense, and number two in turnover margin. Thus, their ranking is highly justified because they put everybody to sleep that's been in their path this football season. If there's one negative to Ohio State, it's the fact that they do have Michigan on deck next week. Not that they're going to be looking past Penn State to Michigan, but the fact of the matter is the last six years before they played Michigan, they've lost the money all six times. The Buckeyes have also held eight opponents to season low yardage marks this year. That's really, really the strength of this football team is this defense. I know it's a high-scoring offense, but that number one defense is justified. They have not allowed more than 21 points in any game this football season here. I'm going to put it all on James Franklin here in this football contest here. On the road in his career against ranked teams, he's, his teams are 1-12 straight up on the scoreboard, and he's won 9-1 against the spread on the road against undefeated football teams. This is a monster number to have to lay, but this is a case for me. There is no way I want any part of Penn State in this football game. I would say lean to the Buckeyes or pass the game for my take on this big showdown game this Saturday at the Horseshoe in Columbus. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear down our NFL Game of the Week. We've got a matchup of the top two seeded teams in the National Football League as far as the playoffs are concerned. We'll do that and hop out to Vegas when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Andy's statistical and fundamental take on every week's football card is comprehensive and visionary. Many say it's like money in the bank. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. All new Playbucks tokens are here. 
Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. It's time for our NFL Game of the Week, and as I mentioned, we've got a matchup on tap this week in the National Football League that if the playoffs were to begin this week, it would pair the number one and the number two seeds out of the NFC. I'm talking about the Green Bay Packers taking on the San Francisco 49ers in a big marquee game, obviously, this Sunday. Victor, how do you see the Packers and the 49ers coming this particular Sunday? Well, when I was working on the totals tip sheet on Monday and saw the opening line in this game, I got my action in as soon as possible. It opened at 44. I played it at 44 and a half. Lo and behold, as we record the podcast here on Wednesday morning, it's already jacked up. Yesterday was at 46 and a half. Today, it's up to 47 and a half. If you're going to join me in the over, Let's get in as soon as possible. There's a chance that the over-underline in this game goes up even higher. I would not be surprised. On the year, we're talking two, two teams basically split right down the middle. Green Bay 5-5 five and five over-under, 0-2 oh in their last two. San Francisco 5-5 five and five over-under. Started the season with some great defensive uh, outputs going, what, 1-5 over-under in their first six games. However, in their last four games, four straight overs in a row as their defensive numbers are starting to creep back up again. Uh, 62 points in their game last week against Arizona, 51 against Seattle, 53 against Arizona in the game before that, and finally 64 against Carolina. So the Niners, four and over the over their last four games. Of course, these two teams played each other last year in Green Bay. The over-under line was uh, similar, 46.5. Final score was 33-30. to 30. And, in fact, both teams accounted for 31 points in the first quarter of that game last season. And it was basically off to the races, one of the more entertaining games of the season. And, in fact, it's a uh, series that has gone 6-1 uh, and one now to the over in the last seven meetings. Average of 50.0 combined points per game. Uh, we're, we're going to be playing a Packers game over the total in their ideal signature team total trend. And that's the fact that the Packers are 11-1 and one to the over going back 10 years when they are priced as non-division road underdogs like they are in this game. And the over-under line is in the range of greater than 40 and less than 50 points. Of course, the Packers well-rested. They're off their bye week. And in their game before the bye week, they beat the Carolina Panthers in that uh, blizzard up in Green Bay. 24-16, to 16, I believe, was the final score. Went under the total. But that's okay by us here. According to the database, 9-1 and over-under all road dogs playing with rest off a straight-up an ATS home favorite win that went under the total in their very last game that applies to the Packers. We also got the situation of an 8-2 and two against a 9-1 and one team, so I always run a query for late-season games involving two very good teams, and the numbers, again, are good for the over-betters, uh, particularly in the last two seasons, NFL games involving two teams who are 700 or better have gone a perfect 8-0 and to the over in game 8 or greater. The Niners have a couple of interesting scheduling dynamics in regards to this particular game. They are wrapping up a current three-game homestand in which the first two games went over the total. And this goes now 10-1 and to the over since 2009. Favorites of less than eight points in their third straight home game after the first two games, went over the total. That applies to the Niners. In addition, the Niners just finished wrapping up three straight division games in a row. And here's a 12-2 and over-under situation. Favorites of three straight division games in a row. 
when the over-under line is greater than 43 points. There you have it. The line is going up. If you're going to join me in the over, get your action in as soon as possible. But it should be a fun late afternoon game in the NFL. We're going over the total with the Packers and Niners. Victor flies over the total with the Packers and the 49ers in this big NFC showdown game on Sunday. And as I mentioned, a matchup of the number one and number two seeded teams in the NFC taking place here. Aaron Rodgers comes into the football game with a startling number, a terrific number, I should say. He's 10-4-1 and one to the spread with rest in his career, so he's taken advantage of an extra time to prepare for a football game. Uh, my main concern about the Green Bay Packers here, however, is that, and everybody I talk to assumes right away that we're going to hop on the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, a dog with rest. I mean, what more can you ask for in a football game? Uh, my answer to that is this. The Green Bay Packers look a lot like the Penn State football team that I outlined earlier in the fact that their record does not match their performance on the field and the stats. The Packers come in here 8-2 and two in the season, but they've been outgained in six of those 10 football games statistically. They're being outyarded an average of 29 yards per game on the season here. They're probably the classic case of the team in the NFL, a winning team that's winning games with smoke and mirrors the most this football season here. That's a big, big red flag as far as I'm concerned. San Francisco comes in playing with revenge from a 33-30 loss they suffered at Green Bay last year when they lost the turnovers 3 to nothing in the contest. Otherwise, they would have won the football game and felt pretty good about doing just that. The Niners come in with 131 yards, the better offense, or I should say the better defense in this football game. San Francisco noted for its offense, but its defense is spectacular. 131 yards net better for Frisco over the Packers in this game. Also, when you have a matchup, this is from the well-oiled machine here. When you have a matchup of 800 or better team taking on another 800 or better team in the National Football League, when San Francisco has been involved in that game, they are 5-1 and one against the spread. So they've really stood the test against other quality opposition in this particular role. From Andy Isco, when you talk about... Uh, in his weekly newsletter here, thelogicalapproach.com, a great newsletter this week, which, by the way, he outlines a NFL totals from a totally different perspective. You want to get a copy of that Logical Approach newsletter this particular week. San Francisco's taken on opponents who are really relatively weak this year. Their opponents are just 37-53 and 53 on the season this year, so that can end up kinding to bite you, much like it will, I think, the Buffalo Bills and the ultimate end result. But... We talked a little bit earlier, Victor and I did, about running the football in the National Football League. San Francisco rushes for 149 yards a game. The Packers rush for 102 yards a game. Green Bay allows 4.8 yards per rush and 127 uh, rushing yards they allow defensively as well. The bottom line to me, if I put this under the statistical microscope, I see a Green Bay Packer football team that in their last uh, – since game seven of the National Football League in the second half of the season, they're being outyarded 60 yards a game. The San Francisco 49ers over the same span are outyarding their opponents 89 yards a game. I think San Francisco appears to be much the better football team coming into this matchup here. And having to lay the home field for the point spread is not, I think, at all a bad situation. I'm going to lean with the San Francisco 49ers over Green Bay for my side in this football contest. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments when we join in with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, I understand your power has been going up and down this particular week. I hope you're powered up in time, ready for the football games this weekend. Well, I am, but uh, right now the power is out, so we're going to have to try and uh, get these results the old-fashioned way from the handwritten notes that I made on paper because the computer is unavailable at the moment. But other than that, uh, looking forward to uh, the uh, tra- uh, one of the two traditional rivalry weekends. It really gets uh, uh, into full force uh, Thanksgiving weekend. But a number of nice rivalry games in the colleges and, of course, some important NFL games uh, this weekend as well. 
Well, Andy, like you say, writing things down on paper and doing the old-fashioned way is what you and I are all about. Uh, as I mentioned before in the past, I log everything manually and then read about them online throughout the weekend. Uh, so hopefully our, it will help us to retain what we're doing here this particular week. I mentioned in your newsletter this week, you have an outstanding feature in your newsletter about the NFL totals and looking at it from a totally different perspective and isolating uh, basically about average totals, prices of win totals of games where six years ago, I think over the last six years, the average over-under total was 41.41, I think you said, and then last year it was 46.56, so it looks like the totals are being adjusted a little bit that way. I'll let you share that with Victor a little bit later in our segment here because, you know, Victor's all about the totals here as well, but I encourage everybody to download. Unfortunately, Mark, I, I don't have a copy of the newsletter because it's on the computer <laughs> right now. So uh, I, I I normally would be able to go right over the numbers. but And, and actually, the key point will be uh, coming up in next week's newsletter where I talk about what all of this means as far as some of the advantages that it does give to playing totals because of the ranges that the lines maker uses and the number of total and the percentage of totals, the high percentage of totals that fall outside that normal range, either higher or lower than the extreme uh, ends of each range. Well, we'll look forward to doing that next week with you then, Andy, as you mentioned, uh, part two of that uh, of that perspective about the National Football League totals. And I don't know where you stand as I speak to you right now with your power being down. I know we usually overview the contests in Las Vegas, and I know a lot of that was probably contained on your computer. So I'll let you free will with that. Uh, I don't know where you are at that particular juncture. And uh, if you will, whatever it is, information that you might have at hand, I know our listeners would like to hear. And if there's none, we can understand. Well, actually, I do have the results uh, for the uh, and and standings for uh, uh, some of the contests. I do not have the information for the Golden Nugget, which is the combination college and pro contest. But I do have for the two Westgate contests, the Super Contest and Super Contest Gold. And last week was a good week for the public. And in fact, it was reflected in the consensus results for the Super Contest. As the Super Contest Classic had the uh, top five plays go four and one for a 26 20 Seven and two overall record. The four winners last week were on the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Jets, and the Cardinals. Uh, the one loser amongst the consensus plays was on the uh, Houston Texans. So for the year, the um, contestants overall a losing record, 67, 89, and four. And that's why the, you can understand how the books have done so well because there's a, a, some sharp money in the contest, but there's more. Uh, not sophisticated money in the contest as well. And as a result, the public, when the public does uh, poorly, it's generally going to be reflected in the uh, contestant in the contest results. When the public does well, as they did last week, it's going to be reflected uh, in the uh, contest results as well. As a result, the standings in the contest have one leader at 38-16-1 of a possible 55 points. That contestant has a one-game lead over one contestant, Another contestant is a half point back. Four contestants are a uh, grand total of one and a half points out of the uh, lead in the contest. In fact, there are 104 contestants currently in the money. They pay the top 100 in ties. Uh, the uh, bottom range of that of the uh, contestants is actually within uh, five points of the 30 and a half point, 38 and a half point leader. Uh, so there are 104 contestants who. If they go 5-0 and this week, have a chance to make up significant ground already in dollar entry fee, winner take all. Uh, once again, in this contest, the uh, consensus selection did well. Not quite as well as in the regular contest, but 3-2 and two with winners on the Cowboys, Jets, and Cardinals, losers on the Texans and the Eagles. For the season, the gold contestants are performing better in the consensus, 28-28-3. and three. And the overall record is actually a winning record for this elite field of 117 contestants, 80 winners, 73 losers, uh, four games have pushed and the rest have uh, been involved in even splits. Looking at the new contest in town, the circuit contest that carries the $1,000 entry fee. The top uh, 10 places and ties are paid million dollars goes to the winner of the contest. There were 1,875 entries. They needed 1500 for the contest to break even. The additional fees, the uh, $375,000 that uh, was added to the pool because of the 375 entries above 1500 uh, goes to the four players. 
And the prize, therefore, is $144,000 approximately for each quarterly winner is more than what the second place finisher in the overall contest will get. Uh, that contestant uh, would get $100,000. So a big, um, the $1 million first place prize to the $100,000 second place prize, as far as third quarter results are in first. Uh, the, there's one leader at 13, one and one, two uh, contestants in second with a record of 13 and two and five contestants at 12, two and one. For the season in the circuit contest, there are two co-leaders, 39 and a half out of a possible 55 points. That equates to 71.82%. As I mentioned, the top 10 contestants plus ties get paid. And right now, the ten, the uh, number nine and 10 contestants are tied with 36 points, just three and a half points out of the lead. Once again, with the public doing well this past weekend, it's reflected in the consensus results for the Circa contest, which went four and one. The, con- the consensus winners in this contest were the Cowboys, the Bills, the Patriots, and the, the uh, uh, Cardinals. Excuse me, I have a, uh, let me see, the, yeah, the Cowboys, the Bills, the Patriots, uh, scratch the Bills, I apologize on this. It's the Patriots, the Cowboys, the Jets, and the Cardinals, so similar to uh, the uh, uh, the Super Contest, the one loser was consistent. It was the Houston Texans, uh, four and one for the consensus, twenty five, twenty seven, and three for the year. Overall, seventy nine, seventy nine, uh, seventy nine, seventy nine, and three as far as the Circa leaders go, with six weeks remaining. Andy Isco with an update of the contests that are going on in Las Vegas as we visit with Andy speaking by candlelight, or at least it's morning in Las Vegas as we do the show as opposed to night. I guess it would be candlelight if the power were out and we're doing this at night. But Andy, uh, kudos to you for a job being well done under the circumstances that they are with no power. Now, question number two I have to ask for you of you is the line moves or the advanced lines. I know are those generally on your computer, and I know – God forbid, if you know these off the top of your head, I'm going to give you the, uh, the award of the week. But uh, any update as far as those might be concerned on the show this week? Well, unfortunately, uh, the power went out last night as I was getting set to do the line moves. However, I did uh, take a printout of the advanced lines for week 14, which is Thanksgiving week, so I can share those uh, with you. By that time, all the buys will be over the final four buys occur this weekend as Arizona, Kansas City, the Chargers, and Minnesota are off. So I don't have uh, the lines. What I can do, however, is give you a recap of what we mentioned last week where the lines were. And so the listeners will be able to determine from this information uh, just which games have shown the movement. So I'll quickly go over uh, this week's schedule. The opening lines posted on Tuesday, November 12th at the Westgate for the Thursday night game, Houston was posted as a five-and-a-half-point home favorite over Indianapolis. Uh, For Sunday, November 24th, this coming Sunday, Cleveland opened a nine-point favorite at home over Miami. Buffalo, five-and-a-half at home over Denver. Pittsburgh, a seven-point road favorite at Cincinnati. Chicago, a seven-point home favorite at, uh, at home against the Giants. Oakland favored by three at the Jets. Saints favored by seven at home to Carolina. Atlanta opened three at home against Tampa Bay. No line on Detroit-Washington. At that time, the status of Detroit quarterback uh, Matt Stafford was uncertain. Uh, He's since been ruled out for several times, so there is a line on the Detroit game for Thanksgiving, week, which I'll get to in a moment. Tennessee, two-and-a-half at home against Jacksonville. New England, seven at home against Dallas. San Francisco, three-and-a-half at home against Green Bay. Philadelphia, three at home against Seattle. And Monday night, Baltimore, pick them at the Rams. Just gazing through this and my memory, significant line moves. Perhaps the two most noticeable ones that come to mind are on the two bottom games where Philadelphia was down to a one-and-a-half-point home favorite, moving clearly towards Seattle off that key number of three. And Baltimore opened and remains a three-point road favorite at the Rams in the game that I mentioned moments ago, opened last week as a pick. I mean, that's understandable given the Rams' dull victory over Chicago this past Sunday night and Baltimore. A straight impressive win this time over uh, the Houston Texans. As far as week 13, three Thanksgiving Day and night games, Detroit, one-and-a-half point home favorite over Chicago. Dallas, seven-point home favorite over the Buffalo Bills. 
And the Thursday night game, the New Orleans Saints favored by five and a half at Atlanta. It'll be interesting to see if Atlanta can continue this week. It's post by success, uh, tossing uh, two impressive victories, holding opponents in each game to under 10 points after previously allowing significantly more than that in each of their uh, first uh, eight games of the season. Uh, for Sunday, December 1st, Green Bay favored by seven and a half at the New York Giants. Carolina favored at home by nine over Washington. Baltimore favored by four and a half in a key interleague game against San Francisco. The Indianapolis Colts are three and a half point home favorites over division rival Tennessee. Philadelphia is favored by seven and a half on the road at Miami. Kansas City favored by eight and a half at home against the Oakland Raiders, over whom the Chiefs have just a half game lead in the AFC West. Jacksonville favored at home by four and a half over Tampa Bay. The New York Jets favored by three and a half on the road at Cincinnati. Rams favored by three and a half at Arizona. Denver, one and a half point home favorites over the L.A. Chargers. Pittsburgh, a three point home favorite over Cleveland in what will be an eagerly anticipated rematch from that uh, game ending brawl of Thursday, a couple of Thursday nights ago. New England uh, favored by four and a half on the road at Houston. And Monday night, December 2nd, Seattle favored by three at home against Minnesota. A review of the advanced lines from Andy Isco joining us in the dark from Las Vegas doing a yeoman's job on the show this particular week. And Andy, I know uh, I don't want to let your power drain what little bit of power you might have waiting for that the electric company to bring you back up the full speed. So with that, uh, I know our listeners would love to know what you might have on tap for your complimentary play on the show this week as well. That's a very schedule to get to this point of the year, but I'm going to go to the matchup between Tennessee and and Jacksonville, the Tennessee Titans, uh, roughly a three-point home favorite over the Jaguars. This is a rematch of a game won by Jacksonville at home in week three over the Titans. Jacksonville winning that game 20-7. to uh, Tennessee coming off of uh, its, uh, its uh, bye week, and I've liked what I've seen out of Tennessee. They're a relatively nondescript team, overshadowed by other teams within the division, certainly within the AFC. I like their ability to run the ball. I like the job that Ryan Tannehill has done taking over from Marcus Mariota. The defense is solid, especially against the run. Uh, they are holding opponents uh, rushing yards to more than a, more than one yard per rush better than what uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars allow. So I'm going to go with the, the Tennessee Titans laying the field goal at home over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Andy Isco on the Tennessee Titans for his complimentary play on the show this week. And Andy, I have to say this, that uh, there's somebody out there that if he had to paraphrase this call, he would say, under the conditions, this would have been a perfect call from Andy Isco joining us in Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it depends upon your definition of perfect, but as long as it's acceptable, that's fine with me. Well, that's terrific. And once again, I appreciate you joining us under these conditions, Andy. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week. And we'll look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanksgiving week here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Look, look forward to being back next week at full strength. Mark, wish you and uh, Victor and the uh, listeners uh, the most successful of weekends. Thank you much. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, we'll put the final wraps on this show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week on the complimentary plays from Victor and myself when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in college football this week, and we call it an Elvis Presley classic, Return to Sender. And what we're looking to do is to plan any college football 17 returning starter dog 
That comes in off back-to-back spread losses, the last by double digits, if they're facing an opponent coming off back-to-back wins. These 17 returning starter dogs in this particular role have gone 21-6 and against the spread since 1990. Our play this week will be on Texas State when they take on Appalachian State this week in a big football game as, uh, as far as the Bobcats are concerned. They're a football team that uh, would love nothing better than to mow down the Mountaineers from Appalachian State for our awesome angle play on the football card this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week. And Victor, if you would, your complimentary play for the listeners as well. Absolutely. In fact, uh, this is normally the time in which we would throw out the Tuco's team total of the week. We're going to hold back on that one. Of course, it's available if you want to get this week's totals tip sheet newsletter at the playbook.com website. And instead, Mark, what I'm going to throw out is uh, our two selections in the Wise Guy contest. Of course, the Wise Guy contest is a playbook sponsored contest in which uh, 50 of the top handicappers in the country are going at it against each other. And we've been fortunate to be in the top five of that contest here over the last four weeks. I don't want to jinx ourselves, but uh, our King Creole one-star play in the Wise Guy contest this week, I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, and that's the New York Jets. Particularly if you can get three to three and a half, it's a home underdog against Oakland. And our two-star selection the slightly higher-rated play in the Wise Guy contest is actually the Seattle Seahawks, plus the small number on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is a little bit of a weird game because it was originally scheduled to be the Sunday night NBC TV game. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, Mark, NBC uh, flexed their muscles for the first time this season and instead inserted the Green Bay-San Francisco game as their Sunday night flex play. And this one has been moved all the way up to a 1 o'clock Eastern start. And I say that's significant because Seattle is one of these West Coast teams. Uh, They're all set to play a primetime game on Sunday night. And now they got to play, what, uh, 10, 11 hours earlier. They got to play at 10 a.m. body clock time. But do you know why I like the Seahawks in this game? Because in these West to East time zone games, They've done very, very well when having to travel east. They've gone 15-5 and 1 ATS since 2012. In the last two seasons, they've gone a perfect 4-0 and 1 ATS. And in fact, overall, they've gone 9 and 1 in these games when taking on an opponent off a loss like the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this is rare when we see a team with such a high winning percentage getting a point or two against a team that's 500 or less like the Philadelphia Eagles. This comes out of the database. 6-0-1 ATS, game 8-15. to 750 or greater road dogs versus a 500 or less opponent. That applies to Seattle this week. Again, it's only my personal opinion, but our one-star wise guy play this week, New York Jets plus the points. Our two-star wise guy play, the Seattle Seahawks plus the points. You've got our earlier selections in which we got an opinion on the Buckeye over, in which we're going over in the Green Bay-San Francisco game. Uh, This week at the Playbook.com website, Mark, four-star college over of the week. That'll be going Saturday. Four-star NFL over of the week. That'll be going Sunday as well. And I'm going to close with this. I was tweeting this out yesterday. I thought it was fascinating. And it truly shows us that despite the problems with penalties this season, and some of the NFL games have been so unwatchable, it's still a very, very popular sport. Check this out. Top five shows last week on TV amongst women 18 to 49 years old. Check this out. Number one, CBS NFL national game, Philadelphia versus New England. <laughs> Number two, Sunday night football. Number three, Monday night football. Number four, Fox NFL single game, 1 o'clock p.m., Detroit versus Dallas. And finally, number five, Thursday night football. Those were the top five shows last week amongst women, 18 to 49. Amazing and uh, very revealing, if you ask me. It's what happens, Victor, when when husbands or boyfriends have their wives or girlfriends chained to a chair and make them watch what it is they want to watch. (laughs) 
you know, but the bottom line is it is really rather revealing that it's met with such popularity the National Football League has with both men and women alike this year. Once again, I want to remind our listeners out there to get your hands on a copy of the Red Hot Totals tip sheet and all of Victor's plays. His game day service went 5-0 last week. It's all available online at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, a reminder that our friends at mybookie.ag, the only offshore sports book that I, Mark Lawrence, personally endorse, are offering a sign-up bonus when you log on today at mybookie.ag, where if you bet college football and you win, you get paid. You bet NFL football and you win, you get paid. Give them a call toll-free. The number is 1-844-866-2387. That's 1-844-866-BETS to get your sign-up bonus at mybookie.ag in time for the games this weekend. And speaking about this weekend, my featured NFL Game of the Month will kick off this weekend right on the heels of our five-star college football Game of the Month winner last week with Baylor over Oklahoma. It's all part of another $99 football weekend of winners, guaranteed football weekend of winners. When you log on at playbook.com or call me toll-free to take advantage of the NFL Game of the Month at 1-800-321-7777. With that, my complimentary play on the football show this week comes directly from the Playbook Football Newsletter. It's our upset special in the newsletter as we go to the UCLA Bruins and take the points against Southern Cal in this classic cross-town rivalry matchup here. UCLA comes into the football game needing, they're one of those 27 teams I talked about earlier. They need two wins in their final two games to become bowl eligible if they get this win. Next week, they're at home against California. Chip Kelly's teams will be off to the bowls. Chip Kelly in his career and college football is 4-1 and one straight up and against a spread in head-to-head games against the Trojans. In fact, he won last year as a three-point home dog. Going back, the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas releases what they call their Games of the Year in college football, the featured marquee games. When they did this before the season started, Southern Cal was installed as a five-point favorite in the football game. Now we can grab up big double digits with UCL in the contest, and we're going to do just that. Remember, Chip Kelly in his career in college football, on the road, he's 20-9 straight up and 19-10 and against the spread. And this is a UCLA uh, football team that ranks number 125 in the nation, very undisciplined team with penalty yards per game. You add it all up, we'll take the points with UCLA for our complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com, and for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is always listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.